I'm Little Beeb. You're listening to the beautiful sounds of praise and worship on Praise Until Dawn, here on the Praise Broadcasting Network. As usual, I want to point you to our podcast of A Time Apart and Praise Until Dawn up on our website at pbnradio.com. That's PBN, Praise Broadcasting Network, pbnradio.com. And at the top of the page there, click on Podcast. You'll find both broadcasts up there. A Time Apart will have ATA colon in front of it want to welcome our Roku listeners. If you have Roku, great way to listen to Praise Until Dawn and Praise Broadcasting Network. Just search for, if, if you don't already know, just search for PBN or Praise Broadcasting Network. And I also want to say hello to all of our iWatch listeners, tablet, iPod, iPad listeners, Samsung, iPhone and other phone listeners, and of course, our laptop and desktop listeners, and our iHeartRadio listeners. And I'm I'm sure I've left somebody out, but whatever platform you're using to listen, welcome. Those listening by Alexa, ask her to play PBN Classic on TuneIn. I actually use Alexa to monitor pbnradio.com. Great way to listen, good sound on it. I also want to remind you about our pbnradio.com Facebook page as well as my personal site. Go to our pbnradio.com homepage at pbnradio.com and click on the little blue and white Facebook logo at the top. It has a a small letter F, which is white with a, a circle of blue behind it that's facebook that will take you to our pbnradio.com facebook page for my personal page while you're at the pbnradio.com facebook page go up to the search bar and at the top enter pat rutherford 1232 pat rutherford 1232 we say thank you we say thank you Always 
Is it impossible with God? I mean, do we really know that? Do we really, really know that? I mean, we can say, no, no, it's not impossible with God. But when we are faced with impossible situations, or what seemingly to us is impossible situations, what do we do? Well, I, you know, it, it's that's impossible, anyways. It, it's it's um, you know, we accept death, we accept healing, we we accept I'm uh, not being healed, as we accept not being healed, and um, we accept that people are not going to receive the everlasting gospel. I, um, something just came to me, and I don't know how many pastors are, are listening. It's, it's a little discouraging, I know, when you're pastor of a church, and yet you're well aware of your inabilities, of your strengths, your weaknesses. God bless you for going and just out of faith, doing what God has told you to do. But it's, it's like I have prayed. God, look, I, I, I know I'm not a, a, a teacher. I, I know I'm not a, a, a minister, some big evangelist. Um, I, I know all this. And... I I don't have the words, Lord. I just do not have the words. It's boring listening to me. God, I know this. Holy Spirit, I ask you to take my meager words This is what you've called me to. How do I know? It, it's what I'm doing right now. This is where I've been led. I'm nowhere else, so I must be because I have given my heart to Jesus and I've 
tried to say yes to him. You grow where you are planted. Don't wait for some future time. You grow where you are planted right now. But I said, take these words, Lord, and maybe there's a gift of ears where between my lips and the hearer's ears, there's an interpretation, a, a transfer, and hearts are changed. That's how I know when I get notes, oh, this, that, that last night's program just really touched my heart. I, it, it just, I know it's God. So you pastors, it's not from you anyways. You would have more of a temptation if you were a mighty theologian and had, could, could hold groups spellbound with your words. You'd have more of a temptation there to believe that it was you. So God, there's there's no <laughs> there's no doubt if people are touched. It's you. So you pastors, go forward. Ask the Holy Spirit to change your words and to be His words. And all you hear are the meager words that are coming from your mouth, but they have your heart attached to them. And you know the Holy Spirit, in spite of what you hear, are changing hearts and lives out in the audience. Discouragement breeds breeds a people that are held back. Do you understand what I'm saying? Discouragement is the unbelief in what our Father's Word says. If his word says something, you hold on to it. We refuse to accept anything else. Discouragement is not part of our vocabulary. Believe me, been there, done that. I fight that all the time. God, here, here's some more. Uh, here, here's some more, God. Uh, here's some more giving him my discouragement. Because I hear the words coming from my mouth. But my heart is with each word.
what I'm saying. I, I listen to pastors. I know, I know I talk very slow. I don't think it's because I'm stupid. I just don't have the gift of being able to speak um, quickly and put things together and I know what I want to say. But I take it slowly and deliberately because I want it to be right. And it still, in my ears, comes out wrong. Anyways, um, take courage, pastors. You're not the one that changes hearts anyways. You want it to be the Spirit working through you and giving the gift of ears, I guess it is, where he changes the interpretation of what people hear. And their hearts are changed. Don't go by what you see. Go by what is said by our Father. If you're raising the dead, it's not you. We're commanded to pray. So we go pray. We do what's in our hearts, what Spirit is speaking in our heart. I never knew what it was to walk by the Spirit before. I never knew. And now it's a whole new world opening up. For years, Claudia and I were stuck in a religion that was, do this, do that, do this, do that. If you don't, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Well, no, they didn't believe in hell. They just believed you'd be dead forever and ever and ever and ever. This, this burning fire, well, it's, uh, the word means until it burns out. I don't think so. Because our Father says it burns forever and ever. And how can ever and ever be interpreted until it burns out? Doesn't matter anyways. Doesn't matter. People are going to hell are going to feel it. I don't want to go there. And I don't want any of my friends to go there. I don't want to see anybody go there. I brought my passion translation with me that, that I read every night. And Claudia and I are starting to get in our, she's got one and I've got one. Donnie, um, Donnie Salzberg sent us this and a few other books. Um, Claudia and I love books. And this was one of the gifts we got Christmas. It was such a surprise. It was, it was great. I, I want to read the Beatitudes to you out of this. And then I want to point something out 
then we'll get to music. How about that? With his followers and disciples spread over the hillside, as Matthew 5, Jesus began to teach them. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. How often I've, I've, I've felt that. God, I can't do anything right. I've got nothing to give you, God, except my help, my, myself, and I do that so badly. Now you do that, and you're going to hear God saying, quit focusing on the negative. Focus on me. That's what God says. What happiness, now I'm going to try to keep from saying anything in, in between here. Um, what happiness comes to, to you when you feel your spiritual poverty, for yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight or bliss? Delight is one thing. I'm doing it again, aren't I? Bliss brings up a whole new picture in your mind. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord for you will find what you long for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness. For you will be satisfied. How blessed you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How joyful you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when persecuted for doing what's right, for then you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How blessed you are when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great. For you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Now a couple of things I want to point out. I love the way this is worded. It takes some getting used to because we're used to reading it and hearing it the other, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. Well, these words mean something. Blessed, that word, blessed.
I've got to look in here. There was one thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. F. So I have to look up the... What bliss you experience when your heart is pure. What an, another way of saying that is when your heart is full of innocence. I read that and I went, oh, wow. God, that's what I want. One other, I was looking the the reference down here to the notes, and it had several verses. See Psalm seventy-two three through seven, one twenty-two eight through nine, and Isaiah twenty-six twelve. And I, the Passion Translation, so far, it just has the New Testament Psalms and I think Proverbs. I'm only through the sixteenth page. And I've been at this for a while. There are just so many notes and so many things I want to read. But for some reason, last night, Pat, look up that first, that, that first verse that it's giving you. Psalm 72, 3 through 7. And sometimes I don't even hear the words. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a feeling that overwhelmed. Okay, I gotta look that up. I've gotta look that up. Hmm. Okay, I'll just go over there and look it up. Here's what it said. Tears came to my eyes as I read this. I don't know. It may do nothing for you, but this really touched my heart. This is my heart. The sun and moon will stop shining before your devoted lovers will stop worshiping. That's a line in the sand, kids. That's Psalm uh, 72.5 in the Passion Translation. The sun and moon will stop shining before your devoted lovers will stop worshiping. That's my heart, kids. That's my heart. As we worship with these songs that, that we play, and the, these are worship songs to him. I love the words of, of all these songs. That's my heart. That's my heart. What will it be like when my pain is gone and all the worries of this world just fade away? What will it be like when you call my name in that moment when I see you face to face? I'm waiting.
God of our unspoken prayer, I come to you. God of a world that's lost, God of the lonely cross, God who has come to us, I come to you. Search me, know me, try me and see every worthless affection hidden in me. All I'm asking for is that you.
Myself till I'm 
Jesus, I will carry.
When I was four or five years old, I had a dream about Jesus. He was dressed in white and came with light. And he said, don't be afraid of death. You are going to have an eternal life. Ben Ishuk Abla, bu benim hikayem. I had a very sad childhood. Financially, we had everything, but we didn't have any peace. We didn't have any love or joy in our family. My father was a womanizer, and my mother used to have nervous breakdowns. Every time she found out about his affairs, she used to just fall apart. And every time they had a fight, uh, slamming the doors, cursing each other, I used to hide. And then when they used to see me, they used to tell me, it's all your fault, I wish you have never been born. My mother became very abusive. I had long hair, beautiful long hair. She took the scissors and cut my hair from its roots. I remember being beaten up, kicked on the floors. My great-grandmother and my grandmother, they used to run to rescue me from my mother's hands, telling her, you are going to kill her. And then my mother came back to her senses as usual, and she said, I'm so sorry, honey, I love you, I'm sorry. And that was the only time she would tell me she loved me. Five to age seven years old. We had a family relatives that we had been visiting. They had a son and he was a lot older than me. I was molested by him. Years later, I told this to my mother. And my mother said they knew all about it. And I said, if you knew about it, why you didn't do anything about it? And she said, we told you like it. I hated her. I hated my mom. I hated my father. I believed I was stupid. I believed I was ugly. I felt very filthy and I felt like it was my fault. But I had a dream. I used to always dream that I was in a place like Oscars and I was wearing this beautiful dress. It was ornamented with pearls and diamonds and I was walking on a red carpet and then somebody calls my name. The Oscar goes to Ushuk. But I was someone important. I was someone special. And I used to take it and I say, this is for my mom. This is for my dad. I studied a lot. I read everything I could find. I started learning Quran from my great-grandmother and tried to learn and be a good Muslim. So I thought it was fascinating that there was a being who created me. And if I knew him and if I find him, he could change my misery. I knew that I needed a miracle, but I had no relationship with my God. And no matter how hard I tried, I fasted since I was seven years old. I prayed five times a day. I never heard back from him. So I came to a conclusion, there was God, there was a creator, but he was mean and hateful and always angry. I met this guy at college. I was studying Islamic literature. 
he was a fanatical Muslim. And I thought we were a good match. I really believed he loved me. I wanted to escape from home. We got married. I remember the first night that I was away from home. I thank Allah for not being there anymore. But another type of abuse started. He started beating me up all the time, every other day. He used to kick me, spit on me, slap me in public, pull my hair. It was acceptable for me because it was in the Quran. He could discipline me. And I used to always find a fault in me. If I behave better, if I am cleaning better, if I am cooking better, I always found fault in me. But then I started finding a relief at workplace. People started telling me I was smart. And I started climbing career ladders in Turkey. The more I became powerful at workplace, the more he abused me to keep me oppressed. One night, he put a knife on my throat and he told me to jump from the eighth floor of a building. I knew that even in the Quran, he didn't have a right to kill me. I decided I'm going to leave. I wanted freedom. I dreamed freedom. I thought America is a free country. I want freedom. American consulate gave me a visa for 10 years and I bought a ticket, one-way ticket. I got my divorce degree Friday and I graduated from my post studies in business administration Saturday and I fled to America on Sunday. But it didn't change. It doesn't matter, wherever you go, you take you with you. And I took abuse, hurt, insecure, angry, hateful, miserable woman with me to America. I said, I need a husband to tell me what to do with my life. And this time I met a drug abuser. He wanted to fix his life. He thought that marriage was a good purpose for him to fix his life. And we had a child. This time another type of depression and misery started. This wasn't physical abuse, but verbal abuse. And I decided to leave him. I was 28 years old, divorced twice, single mother, failed in every areas of my life. I became, that time, suicidal. I was working at a Christian company, and I had a Christian boss. He was really in love with Jesus. And it was hard to understand how someone could be in love so much with his God. I didn't want to be a Christian. We called Christians infidels. They worshiped three gods. They called Jesus the prophet, son of God, blasphemy. I cannot accept this faith, but everything sounds so good. So now I am more miserable because I see people, they have peace in their lives and they talk to their God, their God talks to them. And I said, life is not worth living. I am not good for this life. And God hates me. And as much as I hated my mother, I became like her. And anybody can be a better mother to my daughter. And I decided to end my life that day. I went to work 
and I went to the restroom, I started having a disclosure with God. I didn't know which God I was talking, and I started telling, why do you hate me? What have I done so bad to deserve this? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? I knocked on the counter and I said, here I am, I'm knocking at your door. Are you going to open the door? And I cleaned my face, I went back to my office. Then my boss called me. He said, please close the door and have a seat. I knew something was very wrong. And he said to me, I know this is going to sound very weird to you, but I have to be obedient. My Lord Jesus just spoke to me and he told me about what you are planning and he wants me to tell you. You are not forsaken or abandoned. He loves you so much. When you were a little girl, you were molested. Jesus was by your side. When you were abused, Jesus was by your side. He loves you so much that he wants to be the center of your life. And at that moment, I felt the presence of God. I ran on my face to the floor and I started weeping bitterly. And I said, yes, yes, Jesus. One single yes brought me to Jesus Christ. I felt freedom first time in my life. The freedom that I dreamed all my life was real. I wanted to run on the streets and kiss everybody. I was like a drunk man going to a bar and saying, all the drinks are on me. <laughs> and the grass looked greener and the sky looked blue. And my boss allowed me to go and pick up my daughter from daycare. She had a new mother. I picked her up as a new mother. First two years were very hard with my parents. My father didn't want to talk to me and my mother was always mean. But they started seeing some difference in me because I was loving. But in my heart, I had a lot of unforgiveness towards my mother. My mother visited me. We were just quiet. We never had a normal conversation. I still hated her. I was a Christian and I was still hating my mother. Look at her, everything that she had done to me and how she beat me up and everything. And now she's like nothing has ever happened. And I knew the right thing. I still couldn't do it. Then I started praying in my heart. I said, Lord, you need to help me to forgive her. And at that moment, something miraculous happened. God showed me how he saw my mother. Hurt, in pain. She never had her childhood. She never had a father. And God filled me with compassion. And then love came, and the forgiveness came. And God told me, I want you to go and hug her. She tried to get out of my arms, and I said, I'm not gonna let you go. 
she bursted into tears, started sobbing and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I said, I'm sorry too. I'm sorry for your pain. I always saw my pain, but I never saw my mother's pain. My father, he hated Armenians with all his heart. His family killed 15 Armenians, tied them together and burned them. And my father's family received a gold medal for that from the government. I was going to have a conference in an Armenian church. I said, Dad, I don't want you to come to church. He's like, whatever, I am going to Armenian church with you, Dad, because I'm not going to let even them to hurt my daughter. Every time pastor is saying something, my father is like mocking. Then the pastor started giving his testimony. His wife and him woke up one morning and their children were dead. They were poisoned by gas. Everybody turned and looked at my father and they pointed my dad to me. And my father was weeping. We came home. He was quiet. My father is never quiet. Then suddenly he stood up. He went to my mother and he kneeled in front of my mother and he asked her forgiveness. Then he came and he kneeled in front of me and he asked my forgiveness. And he said, I never heard anything in his life so powerful as he heard in that Armenian church. And after three days, when I had my conference, I made an altar call and my father responded to the altar call. And right now, that man who hated Armenians passionately goes only to that Armenian church. There's not a single day I can tell you I dwell in my past. God turned me into a visionary. And I live in the future. Sometimes I even miss the present. Today I am happily married to a Christian man. And we have an amazing ministry to the Muslim world. My daughter, she is a missionary. She's a youth leader. I mean, it's a perfect example of everything I had done wrong in my life. How God turned into right. Only Jesus can do that. God always tells me, you are a new creation. You are crucified. It is all gone. Only I live in you. Only this moment and the future I prepared for you is important. I can thank Him for who I am right now and who I am going to be. God took my trash and turned into a treasure. He took my mess and turned into a message. <gülüyor> ben Işık Abla iyileştim, şifamı aldım ve özgürüm.
his name whisper his name whisper his name and he will answer you whisper his name whisper his name whisper his name and he will come to you call out his name call out his name call out his name and he will come to you call out his name call out his name call out his name and he will come to
Oh, sinner, be still. Earth has no sorrow. Heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow. Heaven can't heal. So lay down your Elliot's my fourth child. Basically, when they pulled Elliot out, they knew right away that something wasn't right with him. I was working with troubled teens in a halfway house. I'd always wanted to be a pastor, but I'd always wanted to be a cop. That following spring, I was officer of the year in 2002. There was a tumor in my brain. What 21-year-old wants to hear they have cancer? 15 or 16, I started struggling with an eating disorder. It was my 12th birthday, I was turning 12. None of us heard the gunshot, we just heard my mom screaming. I was sold into sex trafficking by my mother. I was 12. They covered me with plastic, pronounced me dead. People meet me and they would never know all the things that I've been through. I would overexercise, skip meals, trying to keep the shell pretty. I still ran track, and every race I lost was because I wasn't skinny enough. I had that approval addiction. It took control of me. There are days of taking more than I can give And there are choices that I made that I wouldn't make again My parents had planned an intervention for me, and my family now, they're telling me that I'm, I'm hurting them. That started a turning point. I had my share of laughter Tears and troubled times This has been the story of my life I've won And I've lost I got it right sometimes But sometimes I did not All of the lies that I had been speaking over myself And all of the pain from my past Replaced with who I am in Christ Life's been a journey I've seen joy, I've seen regret This particular pastor called and he says, we've gotten these two young men who broke into a bunch of cars. We just need you to come and pick them up. You were there when it all came down on me. The two young men conspired to kill me. 
throw me out in the woods somewhere and take off with my car and run. So I jumped on the hood, put my gun right up against the glass and said, don't do it. It took off with me on the hood of the car. When I jumped off of the hood, I hit the back of my head, which immediately busted both my inner ears. But in those unclear moments, you were the one keeping me strong. This is how my story's always gone. I won. I had severe vertigo. And I lost. Panic attacks, PTSD. I got it right sometimes, but sometimes I didn't Everything that I had ever taken pride in, my strength, my abilities, all of that was gone. Life's been a journey, I've seen joy, I've seen regret. Oh, and you have been my God through all of it. It was a really, really rough labor. He had a 9 by 6 centimeter cyst in the center of his brain. His head was extra large. We don't know if he'll talk, we don't know if he'll walk. My heart sunk. I had no idea that he would end up having eight surgeries that year. He hit me head on at 80 miles per hour. When the police got there, I was pronounced dead without a pulse for almost an hour. When they pulled the car off of me, I took a gasp. I started breathing again. When I left the hospital, I was told that I'd never be able to have children, and they're not sure if I'd be able to walk again. trapped in a house with a man who abused me for six months. I walked in and he was just on the floor. I just think it's crazy walking in on your stepfather shooting himself at 12 on your birthday. To realize that I may never perform music again, I was almost more sad about that than having cancer itself. And this is who you are, more constant than the stars up in the sky, all these years of changed my attitude. I said, I'm going to give this to God and I'm going to allow people into my life to help me. I can't do this alone. I believe that God is a great physician. Even when they said I'd never have children again, I just didn't believe it. I'm walking, I'm running, and I have a child. I've won, I've lost. I've got it right sometimes, but sometimes I did not. Life's been a journey, seen joy, I've seen I know that that has to be because God is with me. There's no way I could have got through all this just by myself. I knew he was there, and as he rebuilt me, I regained all that I had lost without the arrogance. I see how his hand has shielded me, and there's a purpose in that. Every day I'm living out that purpose. Everyone been through difficult time. I can do anything through Christ who strengthened me. He's alive. Anyone who sees him thinks he's a miracle. Free and a half. In every situation, there can be joy, there can be life. What I thought was a death sentence turned into be my story and my life. I've battled cancer four times. If I trust in him, I can do anything. There are days of taking more than I can give. 
choices that I made that I wouldn't make again. I've had my share of laughter, of tears and troubled times. This has been the story of my life. I've won and I've lost. I got it right sometimes, but sometimes I I was blinded by my fear, and I struggled to believe. But in those unclear moments, you were the one keeping me strong. This is how my story's always gone. I won, and I lost. I got it right sometimes, but sometimes I did not. Life's been a journey. I've seen joy. I've seen regret. Oh, and you have been my guide through all of it. Through all of it. And this is who you are. More constant than the stars up in.
until dawn here on the praise broadcasting network pat and claudia would love to hear from you i'll give you the address in just a moment thank you for remembering that praise broadcasting network is listener supported your donations help keep pbn on the air for listeners just like you all over the world donations are tax deductible in the united states and appreciated from around the world our address is praise broadcasting network P.O. Box 2468, Asheboro, North Carolina, 27204. You can also visit our website at www.pbnradio.com. Pat and Claudia love reading your email. You may send it to mail at pbnradio.com or call them at 336-626-PRAY. That's 336-626-7729. You're listening to Praise Until Dawn, coast to coast and around the world, here on the Praise Broadcasting Network.